2: And Smeddy here.
0: Aww, you're gonna get off my long guy now.
2: And welcome to another edition of Golic and Smeddy. Mike Golic Sr. here, Jessica Smetana, as well back from some well deserved time off. Ah, uh, thank back you. In, back and better than ever. How are we feeling?
0: I feel great. Everyone needs to go on vacation, uh, get a little tan, drink some hard seltzers enjoy the beach, you know, just having a good time. I also could do that any day because I live in Miami, but it's different when you don't have to go to work first.
2: Okay. Cause I was just going to say, wait, what's the difference? You're in Miami. I mean, can- <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But yes,
0: Mike, I am back from vacation. I had some time to reflect on the lack of sports things happening over the past couple weeks hasn't been a whole lot we will talk a little bit about uh baseball all-star week but it was it was a nice little break and mike i know what you're gonna ask me did i bake anything yes no the answer is no i took a vacation from baking as well i have not baked in two weeks now Uh, i'm probably a little rusty but you know what i think this weekend this weekend i will be back i'm probably going to make some sort of um muffin thing I'm, I've been eating a lot of muffins lately, so I'm we'll a big probably fan bake of muffins. muffins. Now, yeah. let
2: me ask you, see, because here's one of the things I'm 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 a little disheartened that it's been two weeks since you <laughs> baked something. Um, do you put a filling in your muffin? Because that's one thing I am not a fan of is mixing my fruit compote with okay. my dessert.
0: It's funny you should ask because literally an hour ago, I was eating a fruit muffin and I was telling my boyfriend, I love this muffin because they always put like a, a secret little strawberry in the middle. Yeah. And it's like the highlight every time I eat this specific muffin from this bakery. And he was like, do they do that on purpose? And I was like, they sure do. Just for me, just this little tiny strawberry. Mike, it's so good. It's like warm and gooey. I love I know some people have a thing about not liking hot fruit desserts. I love them. I love fruit, dessert. I love fruit cobbler. We talked about that. I made a peach cobbler a couple of weeks ago. I love right. it. I okay. love fruit muffins. I,
2: I, I get a fruit dessert and apple pie is a fruit dessert. I understand that. A muffin is not a fruit dessert. A muffin should be I mean, a it basi- muffin. It
0: basically is though. Like it's a dessert that is acceptable to eat for breakfast, I think.
2: Oh, a muffin? Oh, it is, but don't put fruit in it.
0: What kind of muffins do you like then? Just chocolate?
2: Oh. Ch- chocolate corn muffins, banana nut muffins.
0: That bananas is mean, a fruit. I hate to break it to you. Well, I
2: mean, I, I mean like a compote, like a gooey compote or something like that. Don't hit All me right. with facts, okay? Your right. facts All are just right. ruining my story. Is what's going I'm sorry. on. Sorry. All right, so a muffin product—that's good. Good to know what's coming up next uh, in your life after a vacation. And you're right about. It. I remember, you know, doing radio and TV for those decades. This was always the when the when the NBA championship ended. And yes. before training camps, there was about that five-week period. Oh, where, it's the best, Mike. Oh it's the my best. God. That's when you do. Who's you can talk Rush- about
0: muffins for yes, you 30 can. minutes.
2: Mount Rushmore of, of basketball. Mount Rushmore of hockey. You do all the stupid call stuff and let the let the listeners do all the work for you. You're oh, yeah. You talk about the hot dog eating contest. I mean, but, man, it can be a, a four-hour show. That's when we used to take vacation too, though. I'm not going to lie.
0: It's the best time of year to take yes. vacation because then I, I always, I mean, since I was little, my parents have been taking me on this trip with them every July, and every every year I get back. And usually the next day is when, like, college football media days will start. And usually within the next week or two, NFL camp starts. So it's always kind of like – The highlight of my summer and also the end of my summer, because then once football season starts, you're kind of like drinking out of a fire hose until February when you can finally take a deep breath after the Super Bowl.
2: It's you're so right. Everybody feels like they can rest up and conserve when when in late July and August, it's like where we're at now for camps. We'll talk about camps opening up. But man, because it's such such a such a drain on you with all the traveling and all the talk that you yeah, have. Yeah, it play.
0: really sucks to have to cover sports for a living. Doesn't but it? But no, I mean, I Mike, don't get me wrong. I Don't get me wrong. I love sports. I love watching sports. I love talking about sports. But there is something about taking like a six-day break from caring about sports that just makes you love it even more when you come back. Am I right?
2: You, you know what I love, too, is when you go on vacation, you don't care what's going on with your show. I would go on vacation. <laughs> I would go on vacation and people would be like, who's filling in? No idea. Don't know. <laughs> Not don't my care. problem. No, I'll, I'll see you in a week or two. That's going to be about it. So we're going to get into training camps, some NFL, some college. We're going to talk baseball with an excellent Sports Illustrated writer here in just a few minutes. But But I have to say, I finally got to Boston, Jess, me and me and my wife, Chris, finally got to Boston. We finally got to hold our first grandchild for the first time.
0: Wow. Yeah,
2: very cool. Again, Are you gonna my, cry? Uh, no, my, my wife did. Uh, okay. I did not, but she did, And we, but she's a crier. She, a good, you know, phone commercial and she's crying. So, <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, we finally got here. My son, Jake, his wife, Jenny, uh, had baby Jackson, Jackson James Golick about three weeks ago. And just, uh, I mean, we got here and man, we we couldn't get enough of that young man. Just uh, a great looking kid. He was great for us, just slept on our chest. I don't know. Jake and Jenny talk about how the kid cries and screams at times. We didn't hear any of that. It must just be, you know,
0: great grandparents. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's exactly right. He understands when he's with the grandparents that he needs to be good. But what a, what a, but man, I forgot again because it's been since Sydney was a baby, that would be when you were 27
0: years. Yeah,
2: exactly. Of when we had to go through this of all the, the, the kid clothes and the diapers and every it's amazing what goes along with a seven pound ball of flesh, all the things (laughs) that have to be done. And I'm going to tell you, we got so educated. They haven't, and you don't know anything about this yet, Jess, at at this point in your life with, with no kids. But one of the most amazing things- I have a dog, but sure. Yeah, I was going to say, let (laughs) me just say, it'll be different. (laughs) Is making the bottles of formula for the baby, you know, of what we had to do with the the bottle and the liner and filling it and pushing the air out and blah, 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 blah. Anybody listening who's in the area of my age will understand. Jess, this is unreal now. You know, like a Keurig coffee machine? There's like a Keurig- baby formula machine it looks exactly like a keurig there's the powder in there you set how many ounces you want made you put the powder in and the water in how many ounces you want how hot you want it what kind of formula is being used and it makes it for you i mean
0: a technology is amazing
2: it's unreal
0: mike i need to know are you a grandpa are you like a pap are you a pop pop like what i feel like we might have talked about this but i can't remember which one you chose i'm pappy Pappy I'm going to be okay Pappy. what yeah. about Chris is she well was she Grammy we,
2: no she no like a Grammy no, nothing nothing with uh, nothing with Grammy uh at all and we, we we wanted to call her Cher at first it'd be Cher but I don't think we're going with that one uh either uh I got I got to ask her real quick you should know that Chris what are you going again for grandma? Gigi. She's going with Gigi.
0: (laughs) I like that you had to confirm that was. I I had to confirm.
2: Yeah. It's Gigi. Yeah. So it's cute. I like it. Pappy and Gigi. And people are always like, that kid's going to call you whatever he wants and you're going to melt. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. If that kid wants to learn to get great gifts from Gigi and Pappy, he will learn to call us Gigi and Pappy.
0: I would love if that kid in like six months is like, hey, Mike. Come over hey, here. Mike. just calling yeah. you Mike.
2: You know what I want? You know, Jess, I won't even answer him. I, I won't even turn his Yes, leg. you will. I know I will, but uh, I, have to, I have to sound tough right now. Uh, but yeah, this has been, it's been great to finally, Chris is out feeding him right now. We'll take him out for a walk later. I mean, uh, that, because we want to, we want to bond with him some and, and give the new parents, you know, a chance to kind of rest because you have no idea. You can be told everything in the world when you're going to have a baby. You know, Jenny was told everything about this in pregnancy, that and pregnancy, this you, you have, and you have no clue until you have it until. And the, the biggest thing they found out, and you can be told forever is they never realize how bad sleep deprivation is. Yes, <laughs> just, just how actually tired you get from not being able to sleep when you're up with the kid.
0: Uh, I, I can't imagine. I, we we adopted, I, uh, comparing a baby to my dog, I know, is quite a choice. But we adopted a dog, like, a year and a half ago. And for the first few nights, she didn't sleep. She cried all night. And so we were, like, you know, had this little tiny seven-pound puppy that just kept us awake all night. And then all day, she wanted to play. And it was It only lasted three days, so we survived. But I I know that it lasts much longer when it's an actual child, that you can't just stick in a crate and leave home
2: alone for eight hours. No, you can't. That's the one thing you can't do. You can't put them in the crate and take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but. I mean, it's just it's just the coolest thing in the world right now. So I'm glad we finally got here. We were supposed to get here a week or so ago. We had dog issue, got sick, and we couldn't put them in the kennel, so we had to wait another week. But uh, it's been very cool. So uh, I've been digging that, and I know you've been digging vacation. But I think it's it's time to dive back into sports.
0: It really is. Should we start with football since like football season's starting to slowly warm back up? Or should we start with
2: baseball? I think think we start with baseball. I think, you know, with All-Star Weekend going on, I think that's where we've got to go. All
0: right, let's do it. This is the story of The One. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to
2: his ears. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: Very excited to welcome Steph Apstein on to Golik & Smitty. She's my former coworker from Sports Illustrated, where she is a senior writer. She covers all things baseball. Steph is in L.A. right now for All-Star Week, so we're not going to take up too much of her time. But Steph, I need to
1: know, were you at the Home Run Derby last night? I was and it was wild uh i have decided i am a huge fan of the home run derby i especially like the setup last night where they had uh like strobe lights a dj literal fire a bunch of big dudes who are out just out there to hit long bombs it's like peak meathead and it was the perfect vibe i think for a ridiculous event and then and then it was just great you know f- someone who might be 42 but probably is older than that uh hitting extremely long home runs like Winning the first round—that was wild. Nobody expected him to do really anything. I think a lot of uh, a lot of similarly aged people were like, "This seems like a terrible idea. He's going to get hurt." Uh, and he, he almost did great. So that was really fun. Uh, we had 21-year-old uh, Julio Rodriguez, who was sort of the star of the night. It was, and then Juan Soto, who's the talk of All-Star Week, looked completely gassed at the end and still managed to pull it out. It was a really, it was a really good event.
2: We're going to get to Juan Soto for sure, because I got a quote I'm going to read that I just, I, I can't believe it's a guy who turned down $440 When well, you're talking about Julio Rodriguez and what he did coming out of the gate, and, and Albert Pujols could, could have been his father, 42 and 21. I mean, it was un, unbelievable. But you mentioned the beginning where they, where they introduced him and brought him out on stage. I thought it was hilarious how they were all, when that fire would go up, they were all like running from it. I was like, Oh my God, how dangerous is this? These guys are so close to the fire. They couldn't get off that stage fast enough.
1: Yeah. It was real fire. And it was really big. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the, like the fire department was involved. It was crazy, but it was great. It was great. It's, it's a ridiculous event. They should act like it.
2: So I, I I'm uh, you know, I, we have this fun with me and Smetty since I graduated in 85 and her in 2016 with my, my daughter, I remember when the home run derby was the old way before they changed the rules. And I do like this. I I think it is a good way, but it can, it can definitely, you're right. Juan Soto was gassed and these guys absolutely get gassed at the end, but to, to see Albert Pujols. And I mean, so take us into that stadium into the crowd because Pujols is obviously the fan favorite and he's up against the number one seed in Kyle Schwarber and ends up beating him on extra swings. That, that had to be amazing.
1: It was really fun, and the crowd was really into it. But What was also really fun is that the other players were really into it. Uh, the, they were, like, they were laughing. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But then they were so excited for him. They sort of swarmed him afterward. They were celebrating him. For a lot of these guys, Latin and not, this guy has been their hero. Uh, I mean, almost everybody grew up watching him. They really respect who he is and what he's done in the game. It reminded me a little bit. I mean, it's different a lot of ways, but it reminded me a little bit of in 1999 at the All-Star game at Fenway, when they brought Ted Williams out and the All-Stars just swarmed him. Everybody just wants to be around Albert Pujols. They really respect him. And so they really had a good time watching. And you know, he can poke fun at himself too. So I think everybody had a good time watching this sort of old man beat up on the kids. <laughs>
0: So do you think every, the opinion around MLB is that the Home Run Derby this year was a big success and some of the rule changes were, were good
1: for them? Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to see more of this. Uh, I think it was, it was really fun. And they, you know, usually there's like a hometown guy. This time the closest they got was Corey Seager who used to play in L.A. He got a big pop. The crowd is really into it. I think really the thing that we were most missing was an Astro for them to root against.
2: Yeah, the the only problem with Corey Seager is he went up against Rodriguez in the first round and he hit like a thousand home runs. <laughs> Amazing with Julio Rodriguez, he's making the baseball minimum of seven hundred thousand, and he got five hundred thousand for finishing second. So more than uh, I, I mean, crazy that he almost reached his salary. So there's a and, lot
1: of incentive for those guys to do well at this event.
2: Well, maybe not so for Juan Soto when he when no he for the young out. guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll get. So I want to get into Juan Soto in. Him, again, rejecting the $440 million deal with the Nationals now, you know, with the trade deadline, you know, with that, that's going to be approaching. What, What? where do we get a sense of what's going to happen with Juan?
1: I don't know. I mean, we'll get a sense every day, more of a sense every day from now on, I think, as we get closer to the deadline. I don't know that he's going to be traded at the deadline, but I do think that we now know that he will not sign an extension with the Nationals. I think that they made that pretty clear uh yesterday he will certainly not sign an extension during the season I asked him if he a lot of guys don't negotiate during the season and I asked him if he had sort of if he wished he had taken that stance and he said he did and he thought he would take it in the future that he's done dealing with this during the season so that's that's it on this season so the question now is whether they deal him at this deadline or they try again in the offseason and I just don't think I I I don't I, I think that they've got to explore a deal pretty heavily because they made it pretty clear that he is not, he's not planning to, uh, to, to be extended. He wants to test free agency. Scott Boris wants to set, his agent wants to set records. He's got a player who is capable of doing that and who is interested in doing that. And with the National's ownership situation in question, I mean, Juan said yesterday, like, we'd like to know who the owner is. Scott Boris said yesterday, I don't think any player would sign when he doesn't know who the owner is going to be. And that's not going to be wrapped up. In the next, you know, two weeks before the trade deadline, so it's it's hard to imagine that uh, a long-term deal comes through anytime soon. The issue is just what it will take to get a player like Juan Soto. I mean, it would have to be the biggest trade in history, and so you have to both on both ends. You have to convince ownership that you made the right choice here. You know, for, on the national side, they have to they got to really get back a lot of good players because you're replacing one player's production with like four, it's going to take four or five to do that. And then the team that tries to acquire him, you, I mean, your team is may suddenly be Juan Soto and nobody else because you have to trade so many guys to get him back. And then you're kind of in the nationals position right now where it's Juan Soto and nobody else. So you have to really have, it has to be the right situation. And I think that's going to be hard to find. So there's also no indication that he would sign an extension with the team that he goes to. So you have to be comfortable making a trade like that for two and a half years now.
0: I can see why someone who's only 23 years old would maybe not want to sign away such a long term deal and stay in the same place and, and not have the opportunity to at least test the market and set records. How much do you think that plays into him not signing the extension, just being young and kind of wanting to maybe experience different things with his career?
1: Yeah I think it matters I think I wrote yesterday I think he's kind of enjoying this like I don't think he's happy that it came out during the season I think it's made for some uncomfortable conversations but this is a showman this is a guy who really thrives in the spotlight and right now he's playing for the worst team in the sport and nobody is talking to or about him and so this gave or as of you know a week ago and this gives him a chance to be back in the spotlight a little bit and I think that's fun for him I think he likes the idea of testing free agency because he likes the idea of getting to choose his destination. He likes getting the idea of getting to choose a team that's good where he can be in the conversation. He wants to be a superstar. And, you know, getting to free agency is a good way to do that.
2: I uh, so before we, we turn our attention to, to Aaron Judge, I want to ask a question about him. I just have to read this quote. I mean, it goes through obviously the the extension offer and him turning it down, whether he's going to be traded. And they asked him about all this going on and it said i'm a lone survivor i've been going through all this stuff and i'm still here standing up with my chin up all the time and that shows you i can go through anything dude got offered 440 million dollars i mean are we supposed to really look at that comment and say oh Juan, i hope you're okay you know what's, what you've been That's through adversity I, it's exactly we would all love that adversity is there no before i get to Aaron judge is there no doubt in your mind wherever he ends up the deal will be at least for 440 million I guess it would have to be for that long of, of time as well but by average per year do you think it will be what what it's at now
1: yes for Soto I think so I think that he I, I don't think that they had such a problem with the number to be honest I think it's that it was over 15 years they didn't like that the average annual value is like 20th in the sport they want to set a record in dollars and they want to set a record in AAB and so you know 440 over 10. I think we maybe we would have been talking, but they don't view 440 over 15 as a real offer. They think that's it about pumping up the fr- showing a new owner, look how hard we're trying to sign this guy, because they think it, they think it's so obvious that he should make more in dollars and more in average than any player ever. So I think that's what I think that's what it would take to sign him is more in dollars, more in AAV.
2: At least I'm happy to see these big deals to a 23 year old or a 25 year old or 26 year old. When you give that 10 year deal to a 30 year old, you know, the last four or five years are going to be horrific on that. So at least that's a step in the right direction. Then, as I said, we have Aaron Judge who kind of bet on himself after not taking the offer in the offseason. And boy, it sure looks to be panning out. What's going on that with the extension? And will they get through that at all?
1: Yeah, I think with Aaron Judge, it's interesting. He's having an incredible season, but I'm not sure he's doing. I'm not sure he's doing that much to change his value on uh, the free agent market. And the reason is that nobody wonders if Aaron Judge is an incredible player. The question is just can he stay healthy, and he can't really prove that. I mean, he could have gotten hurt this season; that would have been a huge problem for him. But as long as he stays healthy, I don't think GMs feel like they're operating with any new information. So I think he will get. I think people felt like the Yankees made him a pretty fair offer. He may not get, he'll he'll get more than that. It only takes one team, but he may not get that much more than that. Um, But I think that's, you know, he's another guy who feels like he's earned the right to test his value on the market. I think he certainly has. He's a, you know, sort of a late bloomer who figured it out. And the question is just, how does a body type like that age? How does a guy of that size, like, you know, when does his back start hurting? When do his knees start hurting? We just don't have a lot of information about, Players of that size and he, he does have an injury history and so he will just have to convince some GM or some owner really a deal of this size is an ownership decision will convince an owner that you can stay healthy and that will work out for him.
0: Steph, we were talking about how baseball sees the Home Run Derby as being a success this year and and changing the format up. It seems like they're also trying to change the draft and make that more like the NFL draft now, putting it on TV and trying to make it more like an event. Do you see that as something that baseball was happy with this year? Do you think there are going to be more changes to come in the future with that event?
1: I think the league was pretty happy with the draft this time they're at a bit of a disadvantage compared to other sports because everybody else can do the draft in the offseason and make it a huge event when fans are kind of missing that sport but in baseball the offseason is the middle of the school year and so they can't ask players to make a decision about their future at that point so this is kind of the best they can do is try to do it all star week and the focus is on the sport and on nothing i think the next the next big step for baseball will be to find a way to make the futures game a bit of a bigger deal because the other problem with the MLB draft is that you hear about these guys and then you don't hear about them again for six years. And so it's fans don't watch college baseball. It's hard or not, not a lot of fans. So it's hard to convince fans that they should care about these guys. They're not going to hear about again for a while. Whereas the futures game is full of players. You might see this season. In some cases, players have to be removed from the roster because they've already been called up. Right. So I think, I think it's a mistake by the league to hold that on a Saturday up against regular season games. I think that should be, that, that could be Sunday night. That could be Wednesday. I think that they could find a way to make that a bigger event because you're about to hear about those guys.
2: Yeah, I think I completely agree. They can control when they do it. But the one thing, unfortunately they can't control like football and basketball, you immediately see those players playing for those teams. And you can, you can associate, you just don't know in baseball when you're going to be able to see them. Last one from me, Steph, as far as, baseball and the rules, rules that have been implemented this year or maybe implemented soon, how do you think that's all been going and what do you see next?
1: I think the one that people are most talking about is the pitch clock, and I think that's going to be the one that's going to have the most effect. People are talking about uh, banning the shift, and I think that I think they will probably try to do that, and I think that's too bad. I don't think that one's going to work as well as they think it will, and I also think it takes something away from the game to say you can't play the best defense you can. But I think the pitch clock is great because it's already in the rules that they're not supposed to be taking forever. And I think that would fix a lot of the problems with the game right now. The biggest problem is that you want to see more action on offense. And the reason we don't see more action on offense is that it's really hard to hit. Pitching is too good. So a way to make the pitching less good is to give them less time between pitches. They can't rear back. They can't be throwing their absolute best stuff all the time. And so I just think, in addition to making the game faster and more action-packed, because there's less standing around waiting for the pitcher to throw, I think it would have a really... I think that would be really helpful when it comes to making it a little bit easier to hit. And I think that's what fans want to see. They want to see the ball in play.
0: I'm sold. I <laughs> yeah. also make the games like a tiny bit shorter. Maybe. <laughs> right. also uh, a-
1: aside, except that some pitchers don't like it. But <laughs> no, they need right. to do it. The ones in the minors are, are already used to it.
2: Yep, they are. You're right. Yep.
0: And the pitches are so fast, you can't even see it anyways. Rather <laughs> see a ball in play. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, Steph, thank you so much for joining us. We'll let you go. We know you're in a like hotel conference room right now and uh, have to go do more important things, but we appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I apologize
1: to uh, your listeners. I am between a bathroom <laughs> and a conference room that uh, the commissioner is about to speak in. So sorry.
2: That's for okay. Me. You're right in the mix, Steph. You are right in the mix. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there encounter. you
1: go. If there's a GM on his way to the bathroom, I'll be here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> giving thanks, us credibility Steph. by being Steph. being next to the bathroom at the that's conference it. room. So <laughs> thank you.
2: Thanks, Steph. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Bye. Right. See ya. Bye. Wow, that was great talking to Steph. I mean, a great amount of information, and I love how she's right there. You you can see if you're watching on YouTube, people walking back and forth. I mean, that's what happens when you go to these events and you're by the media center. And she was getting ready to go uh, go talk with Rob Manfred. I mean, she's right in the heart of everything and and uh, to me yes the all-star game is fine to watch i mean i don't mind watching it but i love the home run derby and i know that's what we started with steph talking about uh, again juan soto beat uh, julio rodriguez julio rodriguez really stole the show the 21 year old seattle mariner who's making the, uh, the the league minimum as we talked about seven hundred thousand dollars he won 500 last night soto won a million dollars for winning it but I'm a fan of – I definitely am a fan, as I said when Steph was on, of kind of the new way they're doing the Home Run Derby.
0: Can I make an admission to you, Mike? Yeah. I know, you know, we were talking about me being on vacation and, like, I have a little vacation brain going on right now. I didn't watch the Home Run Derby last night. You? Do you know why I didn't watch the Home Run Derby?
2: Why didn't you?
0: Because my favorite television show was on.
2: Were you watching The Bachelorette?
0: I was watching Better Call Saul.
2: Oh, Okay, don't say a word because I still have those. Are you how, how close are you to being done with it?
0: Well, I'm caught up. Last night was the new episode. It was live. It was on from 9 to 10 on AMC. Actually, it was I think it ended at 1030. And uh, my boyfriend was not very happy because he wanted to watch the Home Run Derby. And I said, you can watch that on your phone because I can't watch AMC on my phone. I need to watch it on the TV on cable. So that's what I did. I saw the very end of the Home Run Derby, but I kind of missed the whole exciting part with Pujols. I I had to fake it a little bit with Steph just now. I can't fake it with you, though. I know that I have to kind of come uh for anyone who wants to talk about Better Call Saul, send no. me a message on Twitter. Because we yeah. can't, I know, we can't talk about it here. No
2: way. Absolutely. And a lot
0: of people aren't caught up yet, but it was so, so good. I'm very happy with my choice to have watched it. Um, so you can tell me about the Derby now.
2: So I, I have to say that you watched it live. I, I can't remember the last time I've watched one of the series that I watch live. It's always taped. It's always afterward and I download a lot of it for when I travel to yeah. watch so I've I, I never seen Better Call Saul live, ever. It's it always is, been
0: Yeah, I think it's the only show that I watch live now because really? I don't wanna get I, I really like it. I don't wanna get anything spoiled from it. I've been I've been watching Breaking Bad since like 2000 I don't even know like 13 so it's been it's it's been a long time commitment and it's there's five episodes left of the entire thing from like the entire cinematic universe so I feel like for five weeks I can commit to watching a show live even though I usually don't do that and I usually download things too like like you do um so this is really really a rarity for me
2: So just tell me this. I don't want to hear anything about it, but Uh because it was, it's been a while and now we got the first one and five more. Was this one more a setup to what's going to happen or did they dive right into some, some good action?
0: Uh, I would say the last episode. So, so the season split in half, this is the final season, the first episode of the second half of the season, they dove right into the action and this episode they set things up a little bit, and okay. there was a really unexpected thing that happened at the end that made me—I will say—kind of profoundly sad, but also very intrigued as to what is going to happen now with the final five episodes.
2: So they got exactly what they wanted out of you. They, 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 they oh yes, I'm so in. hooked on yeah, this. Yeah. I'm
0: so hooked on this, Mike.
2: Oh, I can't. So I can't wait to see it. So to me, that's a that 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 is a fine reason to miss the home run derby the home run derby again I dig it I like it Albert Pujols was it was kind of one of those where he's 42 years old you know it's the last time because it's of the last season you were kind of holding your breath like god is he gonna is he gonna hit a few home runs I mean is this gonna be because he was the last seed Kyle Schwarber was was how he was the top seed I have no idea how was Alonzo not the top seed who had won Pete Alonzo the last two um, but I, I, so there was a little bit of breath holding and I was just hoping he would get to double digits and he did. And then Schwarber did, and they actually went into like overtime, yeah. uh, and, and Pujols won. So, but it was very cool seeing kind of the reverence, all the other players. And obviously there are other players there who weren't in it that are already, just like the slam dunk contest. There's a ton of other right. players there. The reverence they showed Pujols, that was there. And the respect was very, very cool. But, uh. I was kind of rooting at the end of it for, for Julio Rodriguez, the young kid really out of nowhere. Um, He was, he was amazing. He was hitting in the first two rounds. He hit over 30 home runs. Just this young kid was so much energy and power and got to the finals against Soto as we've already talked about. And Soto gets the win there. The man who turned down $440 million. So like I said, you know, I'll watch the game and stuff, but I I do like, I like, the other challenges like in basketball, I don't so much like the end, the all-star game as I like the three point, the dunk though, the dunk is yeah. kind of fun, by the wayside, so right. Been. Some of the skills challenges, I kind of like those, you know, in hockey, when they do kind of the targets, you know, on the nets and the speed and stuff like that. So I, I kind of dig that stuff more. So I, I thought it was a good one. I thought a lot, you know, a lot of people got their eyes open to this Rodriguez kid. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes when we start what they call the second half of the uh, baseball season. Trade deadline, I believe, August 2nd. We talked about Soto. Uh, Steph didn't think he was going to be traded. Obviously, we talked about Aaron Judge as well. The money he turned down in the offseason. But it still blows my mind that somebody got offered basically a lottery ticket and turned it down. I mean, that that is I mean, you got, I'm sure he figures he's going to get it. But man, you never know what happens the next day on the field, right? And he mm-hmm. could have had 4 guaranteed four hundred and forty million dollars, and he turned it down.
0: Well, I I agree with you, but I think for all the reasons Steph laid out, I totally do see where he's coming from. The thing that is hard for regular people like you and me to wrap our minds around sure. is a four hundred and forty million dollar deal to do anything. I cannot imagine I feel like even even the top of our profession Mike like the Joe bucks of the world they're not getting anywhere close to no. that and no one's getting a 15year deal for anything I, it, it is it, hard to fathom but when you are the best in the world at doing something that is highly valued you get to turn that down and hopefully get more
2: i I, I was uh, amazed at that 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 was that kind of was jaw-dropping but he's gonna get it and plus when you're that young he's 23 you you're, you think you're invincible? Hell, I was an average player in the NFL, and I thought I was invincible. I'm not going to get hurt. It's not going to happen to me. So you just you just go play, you know, and you just think everything is going to work out just fine. And I think it will for him.
1: And our, our
0: producer just sent a note that Tom Brady will be getting close to that at Fox. He's right. Tom Brady did sign the ten year, three hundred and seventy-five million dollar deal. But still, it's not fifteen four forty. He's got, you know, a ways to go. So Tom, I don't know, do better. That's I'm not impressed anymore. No. Not the biggest contract I've seen.
2: Nope, nope, you've been outdone, Tom. So, you know, <laughs> s- step it up, right? Step it up. God. All right. So that that's where we are in baseball. So we can finally kind of get back to football. Uh Some of the rookies have reported in in a a handful of NFL teams. College is getting ready to go in a couple of weeks as well. But again, for those, if you don't know, and I don't know how you wouldn't if you listen to this podcast, both Jess and I are graduates of Notre Dame. And here's Notre Dame back in the news again. We had talked about or last week when you were on vacation, I had Sean Salisbury sit in and which worked out pretty well because he's a USC grad and USC and UCLA just moving to the Big Ten. And we were talking about what's Notre Dame going to do. And one of the things I had said, Jess, was, and I think Jack Swarbrick has been playing this thing great. It also helps when you have all the leverage in the world. True. When you kind of, as we have said, you're the prettiest girl at the dance and everybody's coming to ask you to dance, is I said, there'll be a line somewhere of what kind of TV deal they can get for them. Because people say, how will they stay independent? They'll stay independent if there's a clear path to the playoffs and they're making enough money yeah I don't care who you are you can never tell me it's it's not somewhere about money it just is so what and so I said last week what's going to be that line you know of making enough money as independent and having a clear path to turn down or not go to the Big Ten and let's also be honest if they go to a conference it's going to be the Big Ten not the ACC and we may have found it Jess we may have found it I mean they're looking for basically 75 million a year from a TV partner, uh, whether it's NBC or not. There's two more years on that deal, and they're making, I think they said 15 to 20 million dollars mm-hmm. a year right now. Now they're looking for 75 million. So we're, maybe we're finding that line that will keep them in, in, independent.
0: Right, and this this uh, report was by Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, and so it was saying that the uh, Notre Dame could kind of use the big 12 to get right. a bigger deal and a, with NBC or even with another network. And it could mean that like there would be a, a big 12 game leading into a Notre Dame game right. or vice versa um, to kind of like add shoulder content or shoulder programming, I think was the right. word used right. or the term that used. Was so... Um, I don't know how this makes you feel as a Big 12 fan that you're being used now to yeah. bolster Notre yeah. Dame's uh, rights negotiation, but I guess if you're getting more primetime TV or, or a game bumped up like next to a Notre Dame game, that's probably good for them in the long run, too. Um, Notre Dame obviously has a few games of year a year that end up in the top ten of all the ratings so you know it probably probably is mutually beneficial but yeah it's it's interesting i and i i wonder if it's notre dame you know sending a message to nbc with this report that this is what they want and this is the number that it needs to be for them to stick around or they're going to go start shopping with another network to stay independent or they're going to join the big 10 and then nbc doesn't get anything from them Uh, or if this is really like in the works and this is what the big 12 wants and this is what notre dame wants and this is what nbc wants so it'll be interesting to see how it how it happens and i think that it's so fascinating how this is all just you know basically just media rights deal negotiations that then are shaping the entire landscape of a sport that has millions of fans and and not the other way around like the teams aren't doing the best thing for you know their players and their fans it's the TV networks by extension i guess you could say that the teams are getting a lot of money so that yes, helps yeah yeah but it's it's just fascinating to see how it all shake out amongst the different broadcast networks
2: it will make uh big 12 people hate Notre Dame even more that they're considered <laughs> shoulder programming right. even though like you said it could be beneficial to both but you know a lot of them won't see it that way you know the 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 alums of those big 12 schools will, will just hate Notre Dame probably even more. It'll you're right. It'll Everyone be, already
0: does. So well. uh, it's
2: exactly right. So who gives a shit? Um, you know, as far as the, the, these deals, you know, our Fox already talking, you know, we're talking about a billion dollars for the big 10 they're sitting in a phenomenal position right now. So yeah, Notre Dame, I, I, I think, you know, listen, they they're in a position to play it how they want because they are wanted, but if boy, if they could get there, if again, have their cake and eat it too. Have a clear path as an independent and make enough money to say we're going to stay in independent. That would be something. So time will tell. We uh, we'll have to have to wait and see uh, where that goes. Um, and I know there's some some other Notre Dame news as well. This yeah, now, a lot of this was going on when Mike and Jake were were on the team. A lot of it, all of it actually, all of it, uh, as leading up to that year <laughs> when they went undefeated before they played Alabama in the national championship, the whole Manti Tao, you know, the all everything linebacker for Notre Dame and what went on with his situation of, you know, the fake girlfriend and such. And he's got a, he's got a, a series docu-series coming out on Netflix.
0: Yeah, I I know that a lot of Notre Dame fans that I'm friends with are not looking forward to seeing more Manti Te'o coverage, and I think it's probably because if you've been on the internet or at a football game for the last ten years, that has been like a an insult thrown in the face of like every Notre Dame fan, and and like the fake girlfriend thing became a meme. Um, but I I am interested to see it. I hope that it's good obviously i i'm glad that Manti is participating in it because i think his side of the story is really the only side of the story that i'm interested in now 10 years later because he did do some media interviews at the time i think he was right. on good morning america right after it happened but now that it's like 10 years in the rearview mirror i know it's crazy that it's been that long um i am really curious to hear what his kind of retrospective opinion is on it because he was so young when it happened. And, and like, you know, I was so young when it happened too, I was only like 18 years old. I think I was a freshman in college. And right. so my opinion on, on all of what happened has changed so much in the years since now with a better understanding of like the internet and catfishing. Uh, so I don't know. I'm interested to watch it. I hope it's good. I think it will be, but I can see why some Notre Dame fans are not thrilled well, about it.
2: It will be interesting. And this is all going to be from Manti's side now. And one thing that that I have known over the years is kind of what went on. When you have two kids on the team, you know, within the locker room, you kind of get stories, again, a lot that didn't even come out public, uh, but of what's going on and when things were found out and what happened from there. I am, I am interested to see if what he says kind of jives with what the players were talking about that season because it was such a great season you know uh, you know we, we traveled all the games a lot of the parents traveled to the home game obviously the home games but away games so we were all a tight knit group and then when that all started coming out and we started hearing stories about it so it will be interesting to me and I'm sure he's happy he's telling his side of it how much his side again fits with what the players were talking about so I just have to kind of kind of wait and see on that. It's going to be interesting.
0: I I feel like you should have been interviewed for this documentary, Mike. I did text Gojo and say, were you interviewed for this? And he said, no,
2: (laughs) I, I, there may be a reason that, that, and I don't know what players were. I mean, I don't know who was, I I absolutely do not know, but that will be telling as well. I think if there were no teammates interviewed, Hmm. I think that don't you think that would be pretty telling? That would be well?
0: interesting. Well, I mean, we can discuss more uh, on August 17th after the documentary comes out. So stay tuned for that episode of Golic and Smeddy.
2: That will be interesting. Again, I'm glad he's telling his side, but as, as I said, being kind of, I wasn't part of it, but being, knowing t- people that were part of it and hearing the stories of just how much you know, kind of lines up together. So, so that's our Notre Dame portion. And that's Uh, a
0: teaser for next month. Yeah,
2: Yes, it is. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Now we're getting ready to something I never looked forward to, Jess. And that was training camp. (laughs) I, I I hated, hated training camp. I mean, usually about a week or so before training camp started, my wife was ready for me to leave because I started kind of getting that because I was when I played nine years, I'd say maybe Four or five of them, I felt pretty confident I was going to be on that team. The other ones, you know, you kind of, but never completely sure. Maybe a couple of years. The other years, you're fighting for a spot, you know, on on the roster, hoping to make the team. So she was always like out a week or so before. She was like, "Man, I wish you were were gone because you need to get out of here." You know, I started getting kind of An- that feeling, ancy. kind of yeah. antsy, amped up a little bit. And uh, and I hate. It. There was only one guy that I knew that loved training camp and that was Jim McMahon when we were, te- <laughs> we were teammates in Philadelphia. Now quarterbacks should love it anyway, because they don't get hit. They, they don't get ranches, hit. Yeah. Right. Nothing, nothing. So, but Jim really, really loved it. And he was such a great teammate and still a, still a really good friend today, but yeah, all the Now I know training camp's different now and I'm, and this isn't, I'm not going to sit here and rip on players today. They negotiated for this. They got it more power to them. I would have loved, to never have two padded practices in a row. I would have loved that. You know, there were times we'd go on pads day after day after day, and they're not allowed to now, and that's fine. Again, that's what they negotiated, so that's what they got. But I just-
0: complain about podcasting twice in a day, Mike. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, sweating in the August yes, heat we, in my pads twice we, a day.
2: We would sometimes be, we would have the morning practice and the afternoon practice in pads, and sometimes special teams practice in the middle of that would be in pads as well. So there'd be times we'd be in pads three times during the day uh, for, you know, and, and it could be more than one day. There weren't many rules that govern that back then, like there are today. Again, I'm not going to sit here and I'm saying, these guys, more power to them uh, to do that, but it is the start. I mean, it's the start. It, it is an, it is an anti time for you to have to go prove yourself, you know, in front of a new group, you went from the high of, of either getting drafted or sometimes, you know, not drafted, obviously, but, but being that upperclassman now to being a rookie and learning how a whole new league works. And, and as I've always said, you know, you can be considered a professional, but it doesn't make you a pro, you know, you have to learn that. And that's, that's what you know, we talk about old school, you know, that the old guy sitting on the porch and being mad at what's going on. And if I've always said, I, I try not to be that guy, but, but I do think, Jess, there's a mixture between the two. And the one thing, you know, my dad told me and I would tell my kids that's something that I do agree with, maybe not as harshly as this, but when you go into a new setting, my dad would say, keep your mouth shut and your eyes and your ears open. There are people there there that have been through it. So learn from them. Don't walk into, I didn't walk into as a freshman in high school or a freshman at Notre Dame or a rookie in the NFL thinking I knew all the answers. There are people that were upperclassmen in high school and college and then veterans in the NFL that have been through this and were around and you can learn from them. And I still think that always, it's true in a business. I mean, you leave college and go to some company. I mean, it would behoove people to look at people who have been there a while and how are they doing it how are they successful? So that's always something that I don't know how much gets lost today, but I hope players still do stuff like that.
0: I feel like that's all. I mean, I, I think, young people still kind of go into, at least I, speaking from experience, you go into like your first job or your first, like whatever it is. And, and you kind of try to absorb everything. And then there always comes a time where you get like a little older and wiser and you realize like, oh, some of the people in charge, like they just get to be in charge. Maybe they're not as smart as yeah, I, yeah. I thought one. I'm not, that is not speaking from experience because I've, I've worked with some really great people. But then you always kind of will work with that one person then you realize they are actually really good and like really special and they're a coach that you look up to so i i feel like that mentality for a lot of people still exists like it's it's important to to learn before you try to change everything but
2: sometimes you know you're right and sometimes that you think because people hold a certain position in a company that they're smart
0: right and that's and then,
2: not true <laughs> then later on you're going how in the hell did they get that position they're idiots you know? and they then can... you hope
0: for the same for yeah. yourself
2: yeah that's exactly right exactly right but man, I'll never forget my first training camp back in 85 with the Houston Oilers, how paranoid I was that we stayed, we went to like San Angelo state, which was like four or five hours away from Houston because it wasn't humid. It was a dry heat. So we went out there and I'll never forget. We stayed in shitty dorms, but that's what you did way back when. Right. And I had a clock in the dorm room and I, I, I wouldn't believe it. Like I, I probably woke up every hour. Just nervous that I would oversleep. I would look at the clock in my room and I wouldn't believe it. So just I would get up, walk into the hallway, and look at the clock in the hallway to make sure it matched the clock in my room, just so I wouldn't oversleep. Next thing you know, the horn's going off at 6:30 in the oh, morning. I'm like, shit, miserable. I barely I barely slept. <laughs> I gotta go practice. Oh yeah. I mean, the paranoia. That because I was a again this is back when the draft was twelve rounds I was a tenth rounder so you know you you certainly don't have an automatic spot on the team and you're just paranoid you can't do anything wrong so my God I mean the nervousness is, it was palpable.
0: Well, that's certainly not the same for the sports media industry. No one wakes me up with a horn, but I do get anxious sometimes that I'm going to oversleep my alarm and that like, you know, Billy Gill will yell at me at work, but you know, it's not that big of a. <laughs> Big, big of a I've, I've had
2: i've had media tell me that they get bummed out like when they're covering training camp if the icing machine isn't working and they can't yeah get right no cone or something yeah bastards
0: <laughs> covering football way more fun than playing football probably
2: i would agree with that but uh, to all the uh the, the guys that are going to make that uh, make that roster out there and even if you don't you know and you still you still want to give it a shot man do it as as long as you can until you feel you got to make that move. But but this is the start of it right now. This is uh this is the start of a lot of people's career. So it's always always interesting to see to see where it goes. And I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore because people always ask, Hey, do you still could you still play? I'm like shit. I said I'm 59. Like, I said I give you two plays. The first play I would get hurt. I would try and go the second play, and then they'd have to carry me off. <laughs> but but you never lose that love for wanting to play on game day. I said, I'd still suit up for game day, but I couldn't do what it took that you can't do what it takes anymore, obviously, because that's always been the interesting thing of people that retire. They don't retire because they don't like football anymore. They don't want to do that off season of work that you have to, that, you know, you have to do to get ready uh, for it. And this is part of it, man. You get to that training camp every, let me tell you. And another thing, everybody retires at some point in their mind in training camp, (laughs) everybody they're like, Oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore. Oh my, the the horn goes off. I can't do this anymore. This is is the last time. What if I just quit? Yeah, and then you just get your ass up and you just go, you know, go (sighs) eat. You go get taped and you walk out in the field and beat yourself up. That's just kind of the way it goes.
0: Are you excited to watch Hard Knocks? It's going to be the Detroit Lions this season. And I know actually Mike, Sid and I have a friend who plays for the Lions, who I think will be featured on Hard Knocks. He's got a pretty interesting story, Romeo Aquara. He started playing football a little bit later in his teens, uh, ended up playing at Notre Dame. That's where, you know, Sid and I met him. And he's a really, really accomplished photographer.
2: Friends with John Mayer, great friends. Yeah, John Mayer. I mean, and and yeah, you're always on his Insta stories. He's got to get Stugatz
0: pictures. and I backseat backseat tickets for a Dead and
2: Co. concert. It, it's Mike. Un- unbelievable, <laughs> but yes, he is a, not only a great player, but you're right, he does have that that love for photography. And yeah, uh, I, I, I without question, I think he'll be because he's just got a great personality. Hard knocks overall. You know, a lot of it is the editing and what HBO wants to make out of it, but but there is a lot of real in it. And I think with Dan Campbell, to me, you know, you always wonder which players are going to be the stars. But I think Dan Campbell has a good shot. He's he's an emotional guy, you know, former tight end, still got that great build on him. Tough guy talking about biting kneecaps in his first, you know, first first press conference. So I think he's going to be one of those guys. But, yeah, I like watching it. Over the years, maybe not Same. as much, but the
0: first episode, I'll always watch the fourth. You know, usually yeah. I've I've tapered off my, yeah, uh, I my have interest as well. level. And and you're right. Dan Campbell's a coach that I haven't decided yet. If he fits in the box of like guy who got his job because he's talented and, and right. like, will be successful or guy who you start working for. And you're like, huh. So you can just be a guy and coach in the NFL, I guess good for him. So I don't yeah. know. I think the jury's out. I, I definitely have heard. Uh, analysis go both ways for him so I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out this season
2: yeah I wonder because if it's Detroit if a lot of people are just going to get turned off automatically but I think you and I are the same in the fact that we're going to watch it early give it a chance and then kind of over the last few years it's kind of tapered if we've lost interest let's see if this one holds interest so well time will tell